This editorially independent podcast is supported by Visit Flanders. This podcast features music and audio used according to the fair use principle. It's just the thing just next to the burger. That's the problem. The French fries! This is Belgian musician Paul van Haver, better known as Stromae just before performing his song Mulfrit to an enthusiastic audience at the South by Southwest Music and Film Festival in Austin, Texas in 2015. You know, I come from Belgium. So I know the truth about this. It's not French fries, but Belgian fries! French people, is there any French people here? Don't be so proud. Please tell to the US citizens that the French fries is not French fries but Belgian fries, please. Stop lying. Merci beaucoup. On peut s'exprimer en français. Arrêtez de leur mentir, s'il vous plaît. Merci beaucoup. Fries, known as chips in Britain and Ireland and French fries in the United States and Canada are thinly sliced, deep-fried potatoes, often served as an accompaniment to other foods, but sometimes as a main course. The exact origin of fries is disputed by historians and journalists and cultural commentators. But Belgians like Stromae have claimed that fries are theirs. So how does Belgium's relationship with fries differ to other countries? And why do they claim cultural ownership of these elongated pieces of deep fried potatoes? I'm Brendan Kearney, and you're listening to the Belgian Smack Podcast. is called Debunking Myths. Even though I might seem focused I really have no control Cause you make me fall to my knees Let me drift out to sea what am I gonna do? Every breath, every step hurts And that's how you owe me Even if you don't care Even if you don't know it yet That's how you owe me Even if you don't care Even if you don't know 
So despite the lack of evidence, there are still a lot of myths out there that fries originated in Belgium. One of the most bizarre is that fries were invented in the 17th century at Belgium's River Meuse, where inhabitants of towns near the Walloon city of Namur were known to catch small fish and then fry them. Now, when the river froze over, the locals would instead cut potatoes into the shape of the small fish and then fry them. So claimed Belgian journalist Joe Girard when he came across historical documents from his grandfather's records in the 70s. Girard took these records to be the first reference to fries in history. However, that myth has since been debunked. Potatoes were still unknown in Namur in 1680 when Girard claims the Belgians used them to invent fries and they only came to the region in 1735. Another myth is that American soldiers stationed in Belgium during the First World War were served fries and named them French fries because hearing the French language, they believed that they were actually in France. But the term French fries already existed in the USA long before World War I. And in any case, it's highly unlikely that soldiers wouldn't have known that they were in Belgium. Another myth is that the French in French fries relates not to France, but to the culinary process of Frenching, a method of cutting meat and vegetables into thin strips to make them more attractive. But food historians I spoke to told me that it's the exact opposite, that it's the adjective French from the expression French fries, which inspired the verb to French or to cut into sticks, not the other way around. So, what actually happened? Yeah, let me start in 1813. This is Peter Scholiers. He's a food historian and professor of contemporary history at Vrije Universiteit Brussel. Uh, why 1813? Uh, it's the moment that there is a large survey undertaken by the French government uh, wanting to know how many uh, potatoes have been consumed per person and per year in the whole of the French Empire. This is before 1815, before Waterloo. So we're talking of a huge empire, including the whole of France, parts of, of uh, the Netherlands, the whole of Belgium, parts of Spain and Italy, etc. And there it appears that uh, the present-day country that we call Belgium, there was an average intake of 200 kilograms of potatoes per year per person, which is a lot. It was the highest, not the highest, because the Alsace, for instance, had also a very high share. But the whole of France, on average, had 25 kilograms per year and per person. Huge so difference. It's, 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 it's nothing compared to Belgium. So the question that historians have asked is why? Yeah. Why this high amount? And the answer is very simple because uh, potato uh, offers a lot of calories for uh, very little economic input in, uh, in terms of, of work, hours, and things like that. Uh, I don't know by heart the figures, but if you take at a, a, a field where you have uh, where you grow potatoes or the same field where you grow rye or wheat, then the, then the, the, the output of potatoes is much, much higher. But what, what, okay, so why though then, if the Belgians are thinking we, put, we don't have to put much in, we get a lot out, why don't the French mm -hmm. have the same attitude? 
because we were impoverished. We were getting poorer in the 18th century, we were getting poorer and poorer. There is this, this image of, of Flanders, not so much Wallonia, although also Wallonia, of Flanders that is really impoverished. Uh, there are lots of reasons for that. Uh, I don't have the time to go into them, uh, but very well, very simply put, the, the, the income was decreasing very importantly throughout the 18th and the last part of the 19th century. And people would uh, label Flanders as Arm Vlaanderen, poor Flanders. It is like that. So actually, potatoes were a very good opportunity to overcome uh, famines or, or uh, moments of huge price increases of rye and, and wheat. So it was an, an excellent opportunity, but it came out of, of, of poverty. Uh, but, and this is, I think, the most amazing part of the whole history of the potato. It is considered as a uh, um, an, uh, an ingredient for uh, animals, then for poor people, but little by little, and it, it takes not that much time, it takes about 30 years, you see that the potato is uh, changed, is actually refined and becoming a, a much more appreciated product according to the ingredients you put with the potatoes, you can mash them, add cream, uh, uh, and then if you even if if you want to, you can boil these mashed potatoes, and you have something called croquette. Mm -hmm. Okay, the next step is um, making having a, a, a potato, peeling it, and making slices out of it, which is the the frit. Why would somebody have done this? Actually, at this very moment, nobody knows who invented the fries. Okay. Uh, yeah, I know there are lots of, of theories, but they're not proven. Um, have you, have you heard different theories? And do yeah. you gravitate towards one in particular? No. Just because it can't be proved? Well, the, the most probably, most probably, no, sorry, I should rephrase this. It is possible that the first fries like we know them, have been uh, served in Paris. I spoke with the foremost fries historian in Belgium, Pierre de Clerc. He's Walloon, and he wasn't comfortable recording an interview with me in the English language. But what he did tell me was very similar to what Peter Scholier told me. It seems clear from historical documents that fries at least those in the form resembling what we eat today, were first popularized in Paris at the turn of the 19th century. An historical summary pieced together from all the books I read about fries and all the food historians I spoke with might be as follows. In the late 1700s, donut vendors on Pont Neuf in Paris started serving potatoes that had been cooked in a bath of fat Soon after, fried potatoes turned up in bourgeois colony culture in Paris, gentrifying in wealthy households and restaurants. Now, at the same time, the people living in what is now called Belgium were already big fans of the potato, eating eight times as many potatoes as those living in what is modern-day France. The Belgians were impoverished, and the potato was easy and cheap to grow with a high calorific offering. 
Now, enter Jean-Frédéric Krieger. Now, Krieger was a Bavarian musician who travelled around playing music at the fairgrounds that were growing in popularity across Europe in the first half of the 19th century. While in Paris, he was hired as a clerk at the Rotisserie Chez Pellerin and learned how to make Parisian-style fried potatoes. In the 1840s, the fried potato was everywhere on the streets of Paris and it was eulogised in popular novels and in newspapers and even in songs across France. But then Krieger married a musician from Brussels and then he went to Belgium and he founded the first known Frietkot in Belgium in 1844 and he quickly became known as Monsieur Fritz. So from 1845 onwards, Krieger's there, he begins travelling across Flanders and Wallonia, he's selling his fries to an absolutely captivated public. And it was such a success that other establishments began popping up selling Monsieur Fritz's Parisian-style fried potatoes. My, my position is, it doesn't matter who invented it, the fries, what is important is, as a cultural element, uh, how and when did the fries became um, a cultural good? And if you take that question as a starting point of the whole um, history of the fries, then uh, you can say it's not a French thing, because below Paris, you don't have, uh, even today, except in McDonald's, but that's something different, even today, you don't have the, the, the Frietkoten. Yeah, the Frietkoten, the Frieturen, yeah, yeah. In north of France and the south of the Netherlands and the region of Aachen, yes. uh, Aix-la-Chapelle, you can find Frietkoten, but nowhere else in the world. And, and so you can find them in Brussels, in Flanders, in Wallonia, some parts of north of France. Okay, but you could argue this is Flanders, huh? French, French Flanders. Yeah, so, so what you're saying basically is that, okay, potentially, you know, maybe they were of French origin. Maybe they are originally French. Maybe the French invented them. But actually, mm -hmm. the cultural ownership of them today belongs in the heartland of Belgium and its surrounding regions. Yeah. Yeah. So... How then are Belgian fries actually different from French fries? In what ways did Belgians emancipate their fries culture from France? And why do they claim the cultural ownership of fries today? You know, thanks to Monsieur Fritz, we have fries in Belgium for the masses. Developments in farming meant potatoes were getting cheaper. The gradual increase in the amount of vendors meant that they were becoming more convenient to buy. You could eat them with your fingers from a cone or an old newspaper and, you know, they filled you up. Then three things happened that set Belgian fries apart from their Parisian counterparts. Part two, 10 millimetres. They call me sassy when I'm strolling down the street They call me classy when I'm serving just the best 
can be deadly when I find somebody lovely. And now I'm ready like a kitty in a dress. Don't call me mean, I just want someone to love me. Someone to lick my wounds and kiss my aching body. My desperation knows no termination, baby. Wish I had a tail Wish I had a tail Cause if I did then I would swing it Be swinging it in front of you If I had a tail If I had a tail Yeah, if I did then I would swing it Be swinging it in front of you Yes, uh, it's, a, it's a long story because everything uh, began uh, at the end uh, of the 90s. Hug Henri Henri is a phrase enthusiast, a cultural journalist and a passionate collector. He runs micro-museum Home Frit Home. In the museum, he celebrates Fry's literature by writer and historian Paul Ilechem, Fry's films by anarchist and artist Jean Bucois, and Fry's songs such as Grand Jojo's Chef un Petit Frit en Femme. It's not the only museum dedicated to Fries in Belgium. There's a more commercial visitor experience on the Vlamingstraat in Bruges called the Belgian Fries Museum. But this is André and Home Frit Home. Uh, with a friend, we launched a website, uh, a webzine, as we, we said at that time. The web was really different. And uh, the project was to have uh, a funny website about Belgium. Uh, full of humor and also self-humor. Uh, I mean, autodérision, as we say uh, in French. And we, ch- we choose the, the name of frite.be for this website. Uh, we had our little success, but um, there was a phenomenon that more and more people uh, were asking me uh, questions about fries. <laughs> it was not the project first, but finally, uh, I enjoyed this game, and uh, one day I decided uh, I will I would try to answer any question about fries. So it was at the end of uh, the nineties, so it's more than twenty years now. Uh, and how I did that? I, I began to meet uh, friturists, that means people who makes who make uh, fries but also uh, several artists who already uh, created something, a song or painting about Fritkot, the fry stands, or, uh, or fries. And that's how I discovered there was a, a real universe around this uh, piece of potato fried, and uh, I, I really fell in love with, uh, with the fries, and I began to collect uh, objects, documents, interviews, uh, and that's how, uh, year after year, I finally uh, had the opportunity to publish a book called Carrément Frites. It was uh, 10 years ago. Uh, it was the first big book in French about the, the, the Fries universe. And nearly at the same time, I had the opportunity to create a place called Home, Frites Home. Uh, and uh, this project is... Uh, there are three aspects. It's a micro fries museum, micro Belgian fries museum, I would say. It's also a self-catering apartment. That means that people live within this uh, little museum. 
uh, it offers them a kind of uh, immersive experience in the fry side of Belgium. And we also have exhibitions, uh, exhibitions with a lot of artists, and they always put their eyes on Belgium. So we often have fries coming out of their creations, and uh, it uh, expands this uh, fries universe within art. In fact, the, the, the traditional way to, to do fries in Belgium is first to choose. Uh, La matière première, so that means the, the good potatoes, uh, the potatoes uh, that fit uh, for fries. So uh, we often speak about uh, binche potatoes. Uh, then you also need to know, in the best case scenario, you, you, you need to know where, where it comes from, uh, how it was uh, um, uh, conditioned, etc. So, so, so you are sure you have the best potato for fries. Then uh, you need to cut it in a batonet. Um, how do in sticks? sticks yeah, yeah. Uh, of about uh, 10, mini, 10 millimeters on each side, because uh, if you don't do that and uh, if the fries are too thin, you will not have the puree, the the <laughs> inside. The yeah, the like fries. the softer potato in the fry. Yeah, so the, so so you want to have a crunchy on the outside and soft on the inside. Yes, exactly. and if and if it's if it's too small, you don't have the the soft mashed potato almost inside. Yeah. So so my next question then: Why wouldn't you make them bigger? If if you need yeah. to have yes, so why why ten millimeters? Why not fifteen or twenty? Mm, fries are, are, are a pleasure and. Um, I mean, it's part of the pleasure to have all these uh, sticks and uh, to eat them uh, one after one or two at the same time. I don't know, with or without uh, mayonnaise. But also, uh, I am uh, I'm not sure uh, if they are too big, you will have the same sensation when, when you eat them because you will have too much uh, puree. Yeah, too, too much that. inside almost. Yeah, okay. So it's like yeah. a delicate balance between... Yeah, yeah, having enough puree, but not an, uh, and the ten millimeter seems to be the perfect Belgian size. Then you need to to choose also. Don't forget to choose the the correct uh, fat to to fry them. Uh, the traditional way is to use uh, animal uh, fat. Uh, we say blanc de bœuf. The first differentiator in Belgian fries culture is the adoption of the double fry method. You have to, to, um, to, to fry them twice. The first time it's at a lower temperature and in a way you will uh, create uh, this uh, puree, <laughs> what is inside with this, this first, this first uh, frying, uh, a light one. Then you reserve them, you put them on, on the side, you, um, you hide the temperature, and the second uh, frying will be to really fry them, uh, to have this crispy and uh, this uh, gold uh, color. Um. So the, the second frying is, is, is for a much shorter period of time, though? No, it's uh, it's a little bit the same, but it, it it's uh, um, it's uh, 
it's always a, a question of practice because uh, people in Belgium do not uh, agree they often do, don't agree about the temperature you choose for the first fry, frying and for the second frying so <laughs> everyone is doing uh, in his or her way um, but but they do agree on the fact that you have to fry twice yes which, yes, which is course. probably different to other countries yes it was one of the big questions when uh, we were uh, <laughs> fighting with our fr uh, French uh, friends about uh, about uh, fries uh, fighting is a, it's a joke of yeah yeah uh, because in France uh, in the beginning they they, they only fried them once and uh, and for Belgian people, it wasn't really uh, it wasn't good because it was really fat. You didn't have these crispy things on the uh, outside. Recommendations for frying temperatures across recipes for Belgian fries vary greatly. Temperatures for the first frying can be anywhere between 130 degrees Celsius and 160 degrees Celsius. In Fahrenheit, that's between 266 and 320. The second frying is most often carried out around 175 degrees Celsius or 347 degrees Fahrenheit or above. Yeah, it's, uh, if in France, uh, the, the fries are, are very different than in Belgium. This is Laurence Mellebeek of the Blaue Friture in Kortrijk which was named the best frit cut in Belgium by the organization Best Frit in 2018. Yeah, because they use uh, beer fries. So this is uh, 10 millimeters. That's our standard. You can have nine or 11 or 12, but in, in, Frank, in France, they prefer like 12 or 13 or 14 millimeters, but it's, it's like a big fry. So it has to take a long time to, to cook and then to fry, but you never get it that crunchy mm -hmm. and, and smooth inside. So the reason that the Belgian fries are a little bit smaller is so they're quicker yeah. and more crunchy? Quicker and crunchy. And are you, are you using oil for the frying? What's what? <laughs> we, we use, uh, we, we can say it, we use uh, os white. So the fat of an uh, of, uh, os, you know, an ox, uh, ox, 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 ox fat. Okay. That's uh, the white fat because it's the tra traditional. Yeah. yeah. And is it? Is it? Why do you? Why were you hesitant to tell me? Because we have a lot of vegetarians here. Ah, okay. And we have, we we can't. We have don't. We don't have the room to make it apart. Separate, yeah, fridges for. Separate yeah. in our or the, the vegetarian snacks. We yeah. we can't uh, bake it in in oil, yeah. but we prefer the ox fat because the taste, yeah. the crunchiness. Yeah. And are a lot Just of other fritters using the, the ox fat? Yeah, yeah. 50%. And what's the alternative? Just like vegetable oil? Vegetable oil, uh, palm fat, yeah. um, but, but ox fat is, is expensive. Yeah. And we change it three times in a week. So that's... We just uh, yeah change it yesterday evening. Yeah. And we change it Sunday again. But it just gives a better quality. Feed. Quality. Yeah. yeah. 
because yeah, yeah okay. just the smack and also the crunchiness. Okay. Okay. Any And also, if you the day after and you say, oh my my stomach hurts yeah. when you came from a fritur, yeah. then you can probably say it's from bad fat. Okay. So they don't. Wasn't clean enough. Yeah, yeah, they didn't change it enough uh -huh. because it's expensive. Yeah. First of all, yeah. or uh, lax heads. Hey, if they don't want to change it uh, yeah. Yeah. too much. According to Fry's historian Pierre Leclerc. The formula for double frying was mentioned for the first time in a Belgian educational book entitled L'Ecole Ménagère, published in 1892 to accompany a course at the homemaking school of Verviers. It was written by Louisa Mathieu and published by Vance Printing. Now, it's not certain whether double frying became ubiquitous in the country because of this book or whether this book was codifying a technique that was already being deployed by everyone in Belgium. What is certain, however, is that all French cookbooks of the same era recommended a single frying, and it wasn't until 1936 that double frying was first recommended in a French cookbook, Henri-Paul Pellebrat's L'Art Culinaire Moderne. So if the first differentiator is this method of double frying, then the second thing the Belgians did which made their fries culture totally different to that of other countries was the choice of foods with which they uniquely paired their fries, most notably mussels and later mayonnaise. The tradition of mussels and fries in Belgium dates back to the 1860s, a food combination that had previously been ignored by other nations, including the French who preferred fries as an accompaniment to steak. In the 1870s, restaurants specialising in mussels and fries began opening up in Belgium. Mussels were a cheap foodstuff popular on the Flemish coast, and once they began playing with variations, Belgians developed a taste for it that could not be satiated. Most popular are mussels with a sauce of white wine or wheat beer, together with shallots, parsley and butter. But there are also recipes that involve celery, leeks, cream, garlic, and a lemon mustard sauce. Today, mussels and fries are an icon of Belgian cuisine, some considering it the national dish. Stromae even named a song after it. Similarly, fries with mayonnaise have become emblematic of food culture in Belgium. Due to historical decrees signed by the King of Belgium, mayonnaise has traditionally been richer, more full textured and more intensely flavoured than in other countries. Mayonnaise's subtle acidity cuts the fat of Belgian fries and the sauce's sweet creaminess complements their crispiness. And then there are all the other sauces that are paired with fries. Tartare, Andalouse, Cocktail, Samurai, Américain, Yuppie, they're all based on mayonnaise, even if you'd never believe it from tasting them. They share one existential goal, to bring fries in Belgium to the next level. I would swing it to the beat, I'd be a mover And everyone be jealous of my touch I 
So that's Double Fry and Iconic Pairings. The third reason Belgium's claim cultural ownership of fries relates to the physical space in which you buy them. Part 3 Every sparkling wine is not champagne. Hello, is that uh, Bernard Lefebvre? Speaking. Hello, hi, it's uh, Brendan Kearney here from Belgian Spark. What the, what the exactitude 432. Perfect. Okay, great. How are you? <laughs> Fine, thank you. This is Bernard Lefebvre. He's the president of the National Union of Friteristen in Belgium. Well, I, I saw on your on your website that you did a, a nice article about mayonnaise. Yes. So you are not the kind of person to whom I can just tell stories. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> you need to tell me the truth. <laughs> uh. Belgians eat more fries per capita than any other nation. They consume them at home, but also in frituren in Dutch, or frituur in French, most commonly known as frietkotten or frietkot. In other countries, shops that sell fries are located in permanent buildings and are often owned by fast food chains. In Belgium, Frietkotten are predominantly small independent businesses in temporary structures which pop up on main highways as much as in town squares. While fries are also served in Belgian restaurants with table service, Frietkotten are small kiosks with big reputations or converted vans parked up near a cafe. Because of this prevalence and independence, the Frietkot experience in Belgium is highly varied. Uh, no, I don't mind people calling them French fries because I wouldn't like all fries I've eaten in the world to be called Belgian. Uh, so, uh, no, there is some, some. Uh, I would say, I think that uh, the people in the, in the Champagne wouldn't like uh, every sparkling wine be called Champagne. Uh, uh, the same occurs for, for, for Belgian fries, so call them French or Spanish or, or whatever. Uh, 
as long as we know that there is a difference be- between what is called French fries and what we call fries. Okay. The story of the Frietkot itself is tied to the rise of village fairs in Belgium at the beginning of the 20th century. There are in the region of 4,500 Frietkotten in Belgium, essentially a fries kiosk for every 2,500 people in the country. That's the highest number of Frietkotten per capita in Europe. All Belgians have a Stamfritur, or a local fries shop. 85% of Flemings eat fries at least once a week. In national statistics, it's about half of all Belgians. And over 60% of Flemings eat fries at least once a week. In national statistics, it's about a quarter of all Belgians. Lefebvre acknowledges that fries are unlikely to have originated in Belgium, but he follows the same line of argument as the others I've spoken to, that actually, it doesn't matter who invented fries. What's more important is who has perfected them today. The first raw fish. I can't imagine, to, to, I think we, we never will know who ate the first raw fish, mm-hmm. but, the Japan, but the Japanese made, made an art from presenting raw fish. And I, and I would say the same occurs for Belgium. Uh, we didn't invent, some say that the first uh, sliced potatoes f- f- fried in oil uh, or, or in fat would have been served in in Paris. Yes, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe, maybe in Paris, maybe in Madrid, maybe in in, in I don't know. It's uh, to me, it's not that important to know who was and where he was doing that for the first time. What is for sure that is that is that there is no other country where it is part of the everyday life of all people in the country and that once if you put a, a flag on every fry shop uh, you have the map of Belgium there is maybe two or three in Maastricht two or three in, in Köln uh, in Aachen in, 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 in Luxembourg and in Valenciennes and in Lille and that's it it seems that, that there is a prohibition of fry shops when you go 50 kilometers from, from Belgium, and, and once it is, there is a fry shop abroad, then it becomes exotic. The phenomenon of the Frietkot has thrived despite its fair share of challenges. During the 1980s, a large number of Frietkots closed down and others started to settle into more permanent premises as town mayors in Belgium tried to make their urban spaces less unsightly and cluttered. You see, the Frietkot can sometimes be an ugly, disfiguring element of a village, a makeshift structure improvised against the beautiful church, blemishing the medieval aesthetic, or just plopped down as an eyesore in an historic town square. But in a way, you know, that's also a charming symbol of the spatial disorder of Belgian urban planning, a nod to the chaotic but fascinating nature of the country's towns and villages. There have been other challenges. What was to me the biggest threat to uh, the fry shop, uh, I think, was the Americanization of our culture, generally spoken, and uh, food culture in particular. Yeah, I understand that that's, that's a whole complicated um, and nuanced 
sort of discussion. But if we were just to, to, to be blunt and distill it into one word, we would say McDonald's, right? Uh, we would say McDonald's, we would say Greek, we would say... Uh, for, for two reasons. First, uh, everything which... I'm, I'm of, of that generation who uh, was... Uh, who believed that everything which came from USA was great. Uh, nowadays, I hear my sons uh, being a little more sceptic about that idea, but when I had their age, when it was coming from USA, it was fantastic. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, so when the fast food came from USA, uh, even if the first fast food was Belgian, it was a Belgian company, but they copied it from the fast food in USA, uh, there is, there is a, another big threat is that, uh, that America, that McDonaldization of the food uh, was of course not only uh, in Belgium, it was in all over the world. Yeah. The difference between, I would say, Italians or Frenchmen regarding their own country and the Belgian regarding their country is a little different. Uh, I think that there is no more masochistic people existing than the Belgian to to break down their own country. Uh, if if ask anyhow any, any anybody uh, talking about his country and telling what is typically. What is typically French? Ah, typically French is gastronomy, is l'art de vivre, is uh, uh, fashion, is perfume, is wine, is it da 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 Okay, but if you ask what is typically German, it will be quality and big cars and da 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 And if you ask Italian, it will be and so on. If you ask Belgian, it will be the bad weather, it will be the bad roads, it will be fiscality, it will be, it will be all things which also are bad probably in other countries, but to us it's the first things we think about. Yeah. And when a Belgian says about anything, this is typically Belgian, it means this is wrong. Yeah. When a Frenchman says this is typically French, oh, be sure it must be something wonderful. Yes, yeah? yes. Yeah. So if you put both the 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 attraction of American way of living and the fact that we are the last to find that we should be proud and protect what is typical for us was to me the biggest threat for the price culture. Yeah. Yeah. The love affair between Belgians and their fleet cut has managed to fend off fast food chains that have more deeply infiltrated other nations. So Belgium, for example, has one of the lowest proportions of McDonald's restaurants per inhabitant in the developed world. Lefebvre points to desirable trends in food production today and believes that frietkotten have actually come to stand for values which would today be considered top marketing. Marketing and price shops don't are not in the same world. Uh, cops marketing is is a contradiction in terminis. Yeah. Uh, but but if you would now analyze the concept of fry shops, you would see food trucks, 
you would say local products, you would say sort, uh, uh, sort way between the producer and the, and the seller, you would say social contact, you would say many things which nowadays are top marketing. Even though I might seem focused I really have no control Cause you make me fall to my knees Let me drift out to sea What am I gonna do? Every breath Every step And that's how you own me Even if you don't care Even if you don't know it yet That's how you own me Even if you don't care Even if you don't know it yet Hey, hey The underlying tension in the claim for Fry's raises questions about the definition of cultural ownership itself. Who can claim ownership over food? Do those who first created a food own it? Or does it belong to those that perfected it? Here's an answer by way of a question. Where's the one place in the world you would go to enjoy the most unique fries experience you could imagine. Or put another way, if I offered to bring you to a characterful Fritgott in a quirky medieval square in Belgium and serve you 10 millimeter long fries hand cut from high quality Belgian grown potatoes, double fried in ox fat at two different temperatures, and served to you in a paper cone with a dollop of rich, creamy Belgian mayonnaise on the side. Would you refuse? Visit Flanders for their support in producing this podcast. And thanks to you all for listening. My name is Brendan Kearney. This has been the Belgian Smack Podcast. Until next time, love what you do.